Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Sean's Wildlife Podcast. Today's episode is a fun one, I hope you'll agree, because it involves me going for a walk and a talk with my dad, Tom McCormack. And my dad is probably where I got most of my interest in nature from. He would argue in later years that I taught him a lot about birds and wildlife and nature and things. But uh, we've both been involved in various ways in conservation throughout our lives. Uh, Dad is the former chair of Birdwatch Ireland Kildare branch and does a lot of project work. And he brought me to his friend Anthony Mooney's farm. Anthony is a fairly unique farmer in Ireland because he's farming for nature and wildlife just as much as his beef production system. So we wandered the farm. It's a pretty special place. It opens with a little history lesson from my dad about a very important Irish racehorse. And then we took off across the farm and discovered all the amazing biodiversity that's there. What Anthony's been doing, what dad and Kildare Birdwatch Ireland have been doing all around Kildare and on Anthony's farm specifically. So I hope you enjoy the walk and the talk just as much as I did. Okay. Great to roll. Okay. And Sean, you're, you're here at a very, very famous farm. <laughs> you realise that. <laughs> I, have to, I have to underpin everything by saying this. Anthony's father moved here in the 1960s. You knew the plane going over, can't you? Yeah. 1980s. You came in the 1980s, was it? My parents. I have to say, give the mother of the credit as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it was owned previously by the Duchess of Westminster. Yeah. Who is known for probably having the greatest steeplechase horse in the history of the racing game called Arkel. Oh, yeah. And Arkel was buried in this farm. And uh, the National Stud of Ireland, they came along and they uh, exhumed the body, didn't they, in the yeah. 80s? Yeah, in the, in the 80s, yeah. They, took, they put took, it on display? The, they took the bones and they have it on display currently down in the National Stud. Yeah. If you go down and, uh, again, under the banner of the greatest steeplechaser of them all. And I always think mm-hmm. it was interesting when they exhumed them. The mane was there. The tail was there. Really? Yeah. 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 And that horse... As far as I know, Arkle went, was, there was quick climb put on, on, on Arkle's body when he went down to speed. Yeah, the process. Yeah. So I, I, you wouldn't be expecting much left. But the no. mane was there, the tan was there. There was, there was plenty, plenty of the horse still there. The years afterwards, which astonished me. Yeah. And it all went back down, as far as I'm concerned, it's still out there. When did they take it out? They took it out around 87, 88. Okay. 1987, 1988. Were you here then? I would have been here then. Yeah. 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 All right. I saw him, saw him coming up. You know? He was only a chiseler then. A chiseler, oh, a wee lad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another thing we did here, Sean, you were you were involved in putting up the Barnard box here. Yeah. Uh, we had it a few years low, ago now, right? Uh, and I suppose we've learned since that uh, probably needed to be up a bit higher and maybe away from activity. And Anthony kept some uh, hay and stuff over in the, the barn where it was. So we've moved it over here. You'll see now. To a quieter barn. To a big barn here. A big, big open area. Um, and this is an area, as you can see, Anthony has water lying on the ground where he feeds his ducks and 
beasts yeah. and various things. And these water oh, I see it up there, yeah. When you get a drought, when you get, if you get a real dry time, all the water, the any ducks that used to have want water. Yeah, so yeah, just keep you keep it there. there yeah. with a oh, I see the barn owl box barn now, so yeah. I'm waiting, hopefully. <laughs> have you seen a barn owl here? The last barn owl I saw here was naturally naturally occurring barn owl here would have been twenty at least 20 years ago. Yeah. It's the last time I saw barn owl, and I'm not hearing reports round about from from anybody. I'm not hearing accurate reports of a barn owl sighting. There's, mm. you know, there's ongoing reports. There's ongoing sightings all the time of long-eared owls, but not of barn owls. But she's yeah. not far from here. Yeah. Barn owls being seen. But you can see so here I'm now, this, this, very this is a great area for a barn owl box. Mm. Because first of all, you can see the barn owl box is away from where the activity is in a barn that's probably, what, 40 yards long? Yeah. There's a big open area at the end where the barn owl can come in and out and it's not going to be disturbed. Yeah. So there's very little activity. But about a month and five weeks ago here, I was out with Anthony and we saw droppings from uh, an owl of some sort just here, white droppings on the ground. So there could have been come in, maybe a roost here on the beam or whatever overnight or for a couple of hours which was feeding. Because Anthony did say there were rats in this barn yeah. He doesn't put down any poison or anything for them and they've disappeared. They're gone. Good. So something has been feeding here and taking And I don't know. There, there's the bag of grain. That's the bag. The free yeah. There's nothing touching it. <laughs> so you've got some rat a, control it's, in it's, it. It's, well, I don't know what it is, but it's strange. They were there. They were there t- 10 days, two weeks ago for a little while. I saw a couple of rats around it. Yeah. I got, there was another bag of feed, another big bag of cattle feed. I put it in a rat-proof plastic bin. Yeah. To feed out of the way rather than use poison. But the rats have not appeared at that bag of grain. Something is keeping them away. Them. I don't yeah. know what it is. I'm watching all the time for a cat. But you've got a few interesting predators on the farm, don't you? There is, yeah. We got a, we got a pine marten on camera two weeks ago. Great. Which is great. This is it a good thing? When you keep ah, you know it, it, it's very challenging if you keep if you keep poultry if you, whether you have your poultry free range or whether you have them locked in they'll get them yeah it, now, I, I, I'm beginning to think it depends on the pine marten too if you get a pine marten that knows there's fowl in an area knows there's the pens ducks whatever in an area and they get they persistent they persist yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they will persist and they'll come back and when you least expect it they will do a lot of harm and there's they'll kill everything yeah yeah if they get the chance they'll kill everything it's not just a case of killing one bird to kill everybody. But do you still like to see them? Ah, yeah. Because they've made do. a comeback, haven't yeah, they? Look, I remember here, five, five, six years ago, we had trail cameras down on a waterway here. Mm. And I remember this very instant photograph came up on the trail camera, a video. Two rats running for their lives. Really? And what was after them? Hot behind them. A mink. Oh, one right. of, a mink. One of the most unwanted things in the countryside. But yeah, yeah. on that particular day, rat was on the menu. Yeah, yeah. Good <laughs> so, stuff. So, pest control. So pest Natural control. pest control. So they all have a good side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They all have yeah. a good side, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think the thing is, if they're there in modest numbers, if they're there in modest numbers, if they're there in a balanced situation, balance, isn't it? Yeah. They're, they're, going, they're going to be fine. But We've a lovely dunnock on the ground here, you yeah. can see it. This is um, just a few minutes ago we had yellow hammers and chaffinches feeding on that grain. Yeah. Loads of yellow hammers around, Anthony, yeah? There is, yeah. There's good, there is, yeah. There's good numbers here. There's times of the year it's hard. If food is plentiful, if there's plenty of feed out there for them, they can be harder to see. Yeah. Particularly if, particularly if you foliage on, on, on cover, on trees, on hedges and whatnot. Yeah. You know, and if you're at the time of the year where they're not singing, it can be hard to know whether they're there or not. But what yeah. I always say, once foliage comes off trees, they'll appear. 
it's easier to see them. Yeah. And then if you get, I tell you what, if you get calm weather with no wind, which yeah. has been a lot of lately, if you're watching a hedge, nearly any movement, you see the movement. Is a word. Yeah, yeah, them, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, they are. And then when feed gets a little scarcer, the natural they feed up and they'll come in. Yeah, yeah. So Anthony, tell us just a little bit about. Um, your farm and well, how, how you do it, what you do. What we do here is we produce beef. And yeah. There's, 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 small, there's a small number of suckler cows here. You, at the moment, there's about 12, 12 13 suckler cows on a bull. Yeah. And we're getting cows from those every year. That's going well enough. We're happy enough. Yeah. And then the rest of it is um, there's young cattle bought in. There's maybe 100 to 120 cattle kept there. Lots of those are bought in in the oil and spring, and they're finished here on grass. Yeah. And we, whatever you know, we try and we sell all of those. They target to sell all of those half grass over here, and we that's that's what we do here. Um, it's an it's a non-intensive system. It's, yeah, it's quite extensive. Uh, How many I, acres? Can, uh, there's about two hundred acres here. There's about two hundred acres here. Now, this that might sound like a small enough number of cattle for the acreage, but uh, there's fourteen, fifteen acres of forestry here. There's a lot of hedges. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of cover in the place. Yeah. Uh, you know, the same aid, there's things like that. We don't, I fa- we farm as in as nature friendly a way as we can. We don't use fertilizer. You're farming wildlife as farming well. Farming wildlife as well. We don't, we don't, we, we don't, uh, we don't use fertilizer. We don't push the place. We're very tolerant of um, non grass species, you might say. Like, we'd be very tolerant but of. everyone else will call weeds. Yeah. We're very <laughs> tolerant of things like thistles. Yeah. Um, which is great. Thistle is a great plant for wildlife in general. Yeah. Like the flowers are fantastic for insects. They're uh, they're really they're really beneficial to pollinators, your bees, all your insects in general. Uh, so if you have a good population of insects, yeah. you're going to get a good population it's the of base what? of the food chain. Isn't base it? of the food chain. Whatever eats insects. So there was a mighty crop of thistles here this year, good. which was a little bit high, high hard on the farming eye or the farming I was mind. Say your, na- your neighbours <laughs> casting <laughs> judgment on you. The neighbours might be looking at you, but. Uh, Gee, there was a f- tremendous crop of insects here. Tremendous amount. Of, there you are. I'm thinking of insects as a crop. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. We should do. <laughs> and then a crop of birds and a crop of and bats and a crop, crop of, of everything. Then a, but then there was a mighty crop of finches here all summer to be seen. Um, there was also, I got involved in this scheme. Um, pollinator scheme. Pollinator yeah. scheme. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was great. It was tremendous. Now, that, that meant that you were, you, you were farming in a way to encourage pollin- pollinators. Mm. And insect levels, pollinator numbers here were monitored over the year. Uh, yeah. just, just people came out to the notes we were talking about. They monitored the insects here. And they got very good results. And the great thing was about it, there was a few quid in it for the thistle grower. As there should be, right? <laughs> As there was. So you don't use any like, pesticides on farmland? No, no, we wouldn't. No, there was, no, there was, you know, there'd be, every year you'd be bothered, do you control thistles, do you not? I mean, you get lucky, you're going to lose out by letting thistles grow. But it was great, fantastic this summer to be actually encouraged to right. do it. And then you're seeing all the finches feeding yeah, on the heads now. The and finches. Yeah. And there was then, you know, there was a great number of pollinators there to be seen. Like it was just, once you take an interest in thing, you'll start, you'll, you'll name what, you'll, you'll notice it. You'll take more interest in it. You'll learn more about it. Yeah, you'll yeah, find yeah. yourself Even forgetting about the uh, thistles and the nettles and whatever else. The, the, hedges, the hedges themselves yeah. um, are fantastic to see because the berries are left. Anthony... Um, could be accused of leaving it until the last minute to cut hedges, for instance, um, so as every berry would be taken. Whereas in the countryside at the moment in, in Ireland, we're seeing hedges being devastated. Mm. I mean, there's no consideration at all for the feed. Timing, the birds. yeah. Um, and they're being cut right down to the very the limit 
you know, and it's it's very discouraging. But it's farms like this that you go into and you and you see that the, every available berry will be left there for the birds. And is it partly because that's like a quiet time in the year and it's a good time to yeah, get those I jobs and, done? Or and, if I'm going from our hedge cutting here, and we will do some. You have to, you have to yeah. do some hedge cut on roadsides and things. We're yeah. trying to hedge cut here. We'd be trying to get hedge cut the last week of the hedge cutting season. So, do you know the latter half, yeah. the latter half of February? Yeah. Just trying to get in, and so that means that whatever uh, everything's been eaten. They've had the benefit. They have ben- benefit. Yeah, benefit. Yeah, and you do it rotationally as well. Yeah, you'd be cutting a percentage of the hedges. Just yeah. cutting a, per- a, a percentage of them, small percentage mm. of them. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it worked. It really worked this winter. Tremendous crop of berries. Brilliant. Yeah, uh, just the way the summer worked out. Tremendous crop of berries. Jeez, there was great action here from um, all the thrushes in particular. I was going to ask if like you had the thrushes the, oh, in. Jesus, yeah. yeah, hopefully we'll see some more growth in the field. Blackbirds. Yeah. Well, shall we walk? Take a walk yeah. and have a look. Blackbirds, and it just yeah. went. It was really worked. Even out. even at home. I mean, uh, John is a young fella. Uh, planted. Uh, hedges along the side, of, the side of the house in the estate yeah. and uh, black, blackbirds and thrushes feeding all winter feeding on, a, big part, a big part of the farming enterprise here is if you've cattle over the winter you have to feed them so what do you yeah. feed the cattle on so the normal, t- the normal thing is, is, is some people make silage and we made it for years there's, there's some silage there you can see them yeah the black rat but the first yeah. choice and here, you can smell it first yeah. good say, country smell first choice here is say it's the, it's the old fashioned way of feeding cattle over the winter and yeah. the first choice here and we are we up here today, and the reason is, first of all, it makes economic sense on the farm here. Yeah. It's very good feed for cattle. It's cheaper and easier to make than silage. Yeah. Um, I find here a bale of hay will weigh half. It'll weigh half of what a bale of silage weighs. Okay, it's much easier on machinery to move it around. It's much easier. You, you need lighter machinery. Your machinery has less work to do. Moving lighter weights around is much easier on the yard the concrete. Ground, yeah. all these, there's all these sort of advantages. And then it's great feeding for cattle as well. You get good hay. It's very good feeding for cattle. But there's a huge advantage to it. You don't cut hay until you're into July. You don't mow for hay until you're into July. And what we tend to do is here, we tend to let it go to seed. So what you're doing is, you're letting, you're letting any plants that are in the field, you're letting your grasses all flower. All fruit, okay. Leaf and we wouldn't be fertilising. We, yeah. we wouldn't be fertilising the hay, the meadows here for hay. We don't spray them. If anything else wants to grow there, we let. Yeah. When you're harvesting, then the seed is naturally. And when to you're go harvesting, the ground, the, when you're harvesting there, the seed grass seeds go back onto the ground. And you're also bringing some seed in. You're bringing seed in here on the hay. Yeah. And the consequence of it is, anything that wants to nest on the ground that you're making Can. has until, say, the first second week of July to do that. To do the to, to do the brood or two out, yeah, but if yeah. you're making silage, the target usually is the last week of May, the first week of June. To get I was going to say one of the big problems yeah. with brown nesting birds, farmland birds like your curlew, your lapwing, snipe, everything yeah. is people went switched over to silage, switched didn't they? To silage, yeah. And got three or four yeah. cuts per year. Started really early, yeah. yeah. Well, and it, it it adds on to other things. Like it leads to more drainage. Mm. more drainage land more land improvement all that sort of thing which if you want food you but in the very good land you have here I mean we wouldn't be talking about those waders probably nesting you're talking more skylark and, and uh, meadow people okay yeah meadow and uh, you know certainly two years ago I remember Anthony waiting into August to cut because he had a pair of meadow pipits he knew they were nesting in, in yeah. his Biggest meadow field, and he wouldn't cut it. We let, we so he probably field, lost. Yeah. You probably lost. What? What was the cost of those meadow pipits to you? Yeah, could you quantify it? Would it would be thinking about no. it. ten, fifteen, twenty percent. You can't put a price on happiness, right? Half a price on mental mental happiness. No, no. <laughs> and it's your conscience. <laughs> it is a clear, deliberate decision, which is 
agriculture advisor, advisor would from the department would have, sh- would have shot him. Shot him for. <laughs> but then yeah. look, look, look at if you look at look at the yellow hammers now over the trailer in yeah. the bare elder. Oh you yeah, see yeah, that yeah, that's yeah, yellow. I can yeah, see yeah, four yeah, yeah. and they're down on the ground in front of the hens. That's partially because when I'm bringing hay around to feed the cattle. The seed is falling. The seed is falling on yeah, the yeah, ground. Yeah. Falling from the ground out of the Oh, look at them. They're beautiful, aren't they? They're beautiful part. Canary yellow, the that males. That tells yeah. me now a little bit. I'd say the source of feed out the fields just might be drying up for them a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Mightn't, be, mightn't be as plentiful as it was two or three weeks ago. when They're yeah. coming into the farmyard now. There's another one going on. making hay is a huge thing. Like making hay is it's a huge consideration. And it's a, I think it's enormous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, it's a kind of a backward step. It's kind of what everybody was doing 50, 60 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Have you read... Um, it's the opposite to intensive farming. It's the opposite to intensive farming. I just recently finished the book English Pastoral. Have you read that? I don't know. No. I call James Rebanks. He's a Yorkshire farmer. Yeah, I've heard And he's name, had yeah. um, three or four generations yeah. of farms been in his family and he's taken it over and gone back to yeah. the ways his granddad taught him. He's seen loads of benefits of it. And, yeah. I don't believe it. Yeah. Um, well, the reason I thought about doing podcasts this visit home is uh, I heard about you doing funny things to one of your fields yeah. on Twitter <laughs> by, uh, is it Fergus? Oh, can you go on? Right, Fergal. Fergal. Yeah. Um, you've been re-wetting some of your fields, Anthony, yeah? Bit of a journey. Yeah? What's going on there? Uh, bit of a journey there. Which, uh, I, I can I just I can remember look I'm old enough to remember a far greater bounty of wildlife being just all around they're just everywhere in Ireland a far greater I can remember far greater and I'm sure you would too Tom, far greater numbers of wildlife in general yeah you know you'd see it as kind of agriculture intensified as land use in general intensified you, you just noticed that all that was dropping all those levels of, of, of birds were dropping you know and you'd say to yourself gosh it's anything you can do to maybe encourage those things like typical would have been here I can remember here Jesus 30 years ago there'd be great numbers of snipe here all winter would there yeah oh, Jesus there'd be everywhere you'd you be know. putting them up as you're walking yeah, around and you would yeah but like from September on you'd yeah. see the first time in September but all through the winter you know you'd think nothing to going out here if you if you walk for five or six hours you'd think nothing to seen 20 snipe really yeah Yeah, and all winter far greater numbers huge numbers of lark and pippers on the ground and they showed up from October on. And what was going on, I think, was when they were finished, they were nesting on the bogs. Yeah. I've no doubt about that now. They were nesting on bogs. And saying Clare here, you know, you've, you've plenty of bog now from there. But all that bog land vanished. So their nesting habitat went. Went. Their numbers dropped consequently. And as the bogs vanished, yeah. so did the number of breeding larks and pivots. I've no doubt about it. Now you go around here in the wintertime, they're not here. Yeah. As, we took, as we took the peace. As we took the, the peace. As we the turf. About, now, yeah. and, you know, when you look back on the history of Ireland, we had to take the peace and whatever uh, back in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, yeah. and into the 50s because we had no other source, you know, yeah. of energy and yeah. heat yeah. and whatever yeah. else. So, and there was a lot of employment in the countryside mm. uh, yeah. for it. But um, there came a time when we probably should have stopped. And we sure, there came a time when we should have stopped. When we, we should have considered. Yeah. No doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't. We didn't need to keep the lights burning all night. No, <laughs> we didn't. We didn't. No, but anyway, anyway, look, there was around here, around here. If you went around the area here, there would have been naturally occurring wetlands. Yeah, they were all around the area here. I can remember. Like, I look, I know areas 
around here where, where uh, some fields will be flooded all winter. Like. flooded all winter. Yeah. And that was habitat for for birds that that birds that wanted that habitat. Like t- very typically, would be snipe, duck, waders. Uh, migrants coming into Ireland for the winter would have used all those words, but, but they're all gone. I can just tell you, like, I I've seen maps in the area here going back to going back to the fifties and sixties, and it was a different landscape. Was it? Yeah. You know, they would have been shown on the maps as there would have been little diagrams of rushes. Yeah. You know? Oh, the little wetlands. Little, yeah, yeah, little, yeah. They're all over the place. They're all gone now. They're but in fairness, I, like uh, we are, we are a nation of copycats. You could say, can yeah. agree. And, and yeah. we followed on on. on what was happening in the UK in, the in terms UK, of, EU, EU. In terms of yeah. Uh, yeah. Land, drainage. land land drainage, etc. And that happened in the UK as well. Look at the, 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 uh, the starlings. Starlings, yeah. yeah. Look at a small murmuration of starlings down there. Fabulous. But, uh, I mean, I didn't understand this a few years ago. Like, what what happened, like, physically with drainage of agricultural oh, land? How did it happen? Drainage? Look, there was, look, agricultural policy at the time was, you know, agricultural policy was... It, it started with Devil Air. I always think Dev said something, and it kind of summed it up very nicely. What we want for the future is another cow, another sow, another acre under the plough. Right. That, was, that kind of said, in a nice few words there, what the drive to produce more food involved. Yeah. It just meant produce more, and produce more... It meant it meant um, altering the altering land, altering the landscape to suit our purposes. Yeah. Like that meant producing more food. Like it all came about from the shortage of food, as far as I know, after the two wars. Yeah. You know, and, um, and, and just just for explanation, a word of explanation there for yourself, Sean, and maybe some of your listeners. Uh, Dev or Devilera, as Anthony referred to, him, was one of our one of our leaders in the 1916 rising, um, and set up the republic in Ireland as such so he was one of our leaders up right up into the 60s when he died in his 90s you know or up to the 70s I think he died in the 70s yeah. at 90 something years of age and he would have won the leaders and he would have been a pioneer even on the agricultural side in very trying, influential in trying to catch up yeah on what was happening right across Europe and, yeah. and in the UK okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah but that so then that, 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 that was the way things were then for a long long time you know from the I'd say from if you look at it from the 19s, particularly once you got into the 70s, things really changed then because machinery to do the job became available, the skills became available. And we are, um, let's face it, a wet country. We are a wet country. So it was about putting land drains in and getting the, the water off the land and making it more productive, yeah? yeah. I think serious land drainage all started here in the 1800s. And I understand it in this area here immediately, the land, big land owner was Carton House, the Duke of Leinster. Yeah. And they owned an unbelievable acreage around here and they rented out the land then to tenant farmers but they were the ones in the in the 1800s that started digging the ditches <laughs> it's yeah. the ditches here that caused the drainage and they, it was just under shovel shovel and pick and whatever right. and they started the drainage but it was the drainage that took water away from an area like this this area is, but as well as that as well as that isn't it fair to say that in, in modern Ireland uh, when we joined the EEC along with the UK way back in the 60s um, if you had a pond a, a wet area you weren't paid because it wasn't productive yeah. isn't that right yeah you were only paid for what was the productive, productive land productive land yeah, yeah. Um, so we started to drain everything to make sure we got those extra payments yeah yeah, yeah. and, we and didn't give farming up to the edges and and we didn't yeah. give a thought yeah to the wildlife that needed it and depended on it and you only notice it a while later after things are gone later. don't you yeah, yeah. people like and people like Birdwest Ireland and the NGOs, the non-government organisations, started 
saying, look what's look, happened. Look what's happening. Look yeah, what's happened. Yeah, but anyway, um, so I, I suppose I was always inclined to listen to that or take an interest in it. I said, right, sure, look, we'll, we'll, wouldn't it be nice to have a pond? I was going to say, were you and interested nice in nature a as a youngster, it was a, yeah? It was a pond, we put in a pond over there, it was a wet enough place, and it was, you know, at the time, at the time it was the thing to do, because it was something you could organise, you could do, you get a machine in, you could dig a pond, and you put in a pond. And there was a set of results from that that now I know were very limited. Mm. Very limited results. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> and I look at it now and it stayed simple. Got in a man with a digger. There was a flow of water, ditch there with a flow of water down it. Yeah. Dug out an area. Um, just let the ditch flow in one end, flow out the other and you'd water there the 12 months of the year. Yeah. And uh, straight away, it suited a certain number of things. Frogs were the first big beneficiaries. Right. Okay, frogs in straight away and in no time, in no time you could see the frog population here jumping up and as a consequence of that things that eat frogs suddenly start getting much more herons and so you started seeing herons you started seeing egrets you also started seeing mink you started seeing otters we saw otters very regularly yeah Black-backed greater, greater, greater black-backed gulls. Oh, yeah. yeah, greater black-backed gulls. He's Big huge, gold. isn't he? Yeah. And we started a, a lot more foxes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just a, a big increase in predators, things that eat frogs. And uh, the yeah. forestry put in at around the same time. So I, I, know, I know now the combination of forestry and water. So it's cover and prey. Cover and prey suited a lot of predators. So yeah. it, was, it, like it, was, it was a result and it was a great prey. It was a great result and it was great to see it. Okay, so you had a lot of frogs. You began to get ducks in. Uh, you began to get mallard and teal. Very occasionally you'd see a snipe around the edges. Just very, very yeah. occasionally. Yeah. But um, it was a result now. That was it. That was a good result. And, of course, you get an insect benefit. You begin to see you begin to see aquatic insects. You begin to see damselflies, dragonflies. Yeah. More of those yeah. would be seen around about. Uh, and there was, you know, the, the, the veget- uh, botanically wise, the pond did it itself. You know, it, the level of botanic, botanical diversity in the pond did it. Well, the like seed bank were. exists for yeah, well, it, a long time, doesn't it? And seeds on yeah. their feet. Yeah. You know, if you, like the canal wouldn't be far away, the liffy wouldn't be far away. Okay. I'd say there was. Sort of bringing in, in stuff, yeah. From both places brought into it. And then things that you might notice, things like bats. Bats, with all those insects, God, and, and then I, I always said about it, if you have a if you have a stream or a ditch on a farm, very often they're covered in by a hedge or something like yeah. that. And there are some things there, but you don't see them. Don't you see never them. See them. Yeah. Whereas if you put in a pond, if you put in an open area, suddenly you start to see and notice things. Yeah, yeah. But then <laughs> a couple of years ago, I copped on. We started doing. We we started bird watching there. When you're, this great man was the chairman. <laughs> We started doing work on, a day, on, 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 on Kildare's endangered birds. We started doing work specifically on curlew, lapwing. We started, and, and the birds associated with those habitats, you, you know, you'd be learning about lark, pipit, snipe, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I remarked, I copped, I copped down to it. They don't want a pond. A pond isn't what they want. No. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> this is what they want. They want wetted ground. Now, I think for any farmer, to wet ground is a... First thing you have to do is just... Yeah, go you, have to, you have to do wage a war up here in your head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do. You have to wage like, war. All that work. First of all, before... before you know, we've just walked into the field now where you've wetted, right? But when you walk into the field, it's not like walking into a typical field in Ireland now. You walk into a, a field in Ireland, particularly uh, where you've got dairy cows and whatever else, and it's, it's full of... 
green, just green. Italian ryegrass, one colour, one Monocle. texture. It's, it's, yeah, it's a green desert. Yeah, there's nothing else in it. Just look what you've got here. I mean, we can see now that the thistle was was very, very prevalent in this field. Yeah, is this uh, creeping thistle or what it is, is it? Is, yeah, yeah. It's, it's dead at the moment, obviously, but in springtime you see that come up, and you'll see all of the nettles that will be in this field, and you know the insect life that will be attached to that is it's phenomenal, really. Yeah. And, and you've got the hedgerows wired off, so there's a bit of cover and margins yeah, and things yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he'll tell you about harvesting. I mean, this man is mad because he's harvest nettles and brings them down to the west of Ireland for corn crake and stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you're a nettle farmer as well. I give Fergal <laughs> a nettle and insect farmer. Man, Fergal, I kind of go on a hand. I've done it in the past, just giving them hands to dig nettles. You know, yeah. we've we've been two of us have been down there down because the corn crakes are lying there for early cover, right? Yeah, yeah. corn yeah. crakes. Yeah, and he's getting corn crakes down there. I yeah, see him on Twitter. Yeah, so yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, but anyway, we. This we won't go over today. This, this, so, this is the wet spot here. This is so how did you do it? How did you do it? How we did was it was gas. Hey, look, you, you remember you remember things in the great rain events of the past. Mm-hmm. Like it's been a while now since there's been one, but I've seen I've seen fifty, sixty acres here underwater. I've seen water starting. It'll, it'll go into the field out beyond a little bit, but I've seen it from here go about four or five hundred yards. Go down away, all the yeah. way to the road, which is Jesus. It's the whole thing covered. One big flood of water, yeah. Yeah. one big mega flood of water. So it's a low, this is a low area here. That's a flood plain. No, I do remember the pipes that were in, put in here. But yeah. there was, you know, there was great pipe walking down the field. So Brendan going across the field. Brendan Cavanagh, mm. who was the, who, who started was the great up our, man behind, started up our barn owl campaign within in Kildare, yeah, yeah. and who yeah. was who was the driving force behind the Boer Bog. He's the one. Yeah. He's the one that's yeah. been ringing your chicks, yeah. He rings some chicks for us yeah. as well, yeah, yeah. Brendan Cavanagh's here. An awful long time ago, an awful long, long time ago, and I, I think I made a little start at the pond out there or something, and we tr- we tried grey partridges here for a while. We got a, a man, I got a pair of partridges and put them in a, a pen out the fields there, and we tried that for a while. But I remember Brendan looking at that field. Chase says, you know, if you flooded that field there, you can do things. Yeah. And he was looking at that spot there. I'll never forget when he said it. She said, you know, if you flooded that there now, you can do things. Yeah. <laughs> an awful long time ago. And I, 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 the memory stayed with me of what he said. So anyway, I saw the limits to the pond, and I saw, you know, when we were working with Clapton down there around Hollywood. Yeah. I saw what they wanted. They want wet ground. They don't want the pond. They want. Wet and they want it wet in summer as well, they right? Want it wet in summer as well. Yeah. So I was very interested to see Lapwing project working. As we walk towards the wet area, you can see a beautiful pair. On the water, having a bath. Look, yeah. Yeah. I love a pond. I like the pond too. I tell you, this has opened my eyes in the last few weeks. This has opened my eyes. Yeah. Did you get any newts in the pond around the farm? I've never seen them. No. I've never seen them. Yeah. She's one of the two lovely things. Otters. Yeah, that's amazing to see. I expect to see. Last thing expect. I've seen. I've seen them here. Like I've seen a pair of them here. Yeah. I've seen a pair going from the little water area you have at the farmhouse. Back in, towards the pond. I, and you always watch for it. You know, sure if you is. see it, the minute you see a knot around about, it'll be it'll be always March. Really. Well, the frogs are in. Yeah, yeah. They'll be when, when the frogs come in. You know, they're around, and you'll find. Even if you don't see them, you come out here and you find bits of frogs chewed up on the bank. And you find the spawn left yeah, behind sometimes, right, don't you? Yeah. 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 Oh, it's a lovely big pond, yeah. yeah like you see. 
the two kingfisher there regularly. Would you? Yeah, the two kingfisher there regularly. Is there any fish in it? Sticklebacks or anything, no? It only dawned on me the other day. There's one huge disadvantage to that pond. It's a long tree. Yeah, a little island. Anthony is of the old-fashioned nature and calling the, the moor hen the water hen yeah. oh yeah, yeah. but uh, the, the disadvantage with the with the three trees there close at hand yeah lovely place for a predator to land and watch it you know ah, yeah. so it's just it's if, if you're if you're a water hen with chicks or a duck with chicks it's be very aware there could be a you're in trouble yeah a buzzard yeah, or a, a buzzard or a grey crow, grey crow. Or something like were those stones already there did you put them in hmm? the, ma- the massive big rocks massive did you big, put them no, in they were there they were there. Was there what happened here was if what happens with a pond when you dig it out isn't after a while it fills up builds up silt yeah and it'll eventually turn into a kind a of scrubby, a fen or yeah, a marsh yeah so we had to get, come along here um, at, in the autumn not last autumn the autumn before and we took out most of the silt we left a few patches of it there that rock those rocks were down in the base right and so we just brought them up to the surface they're lovely duck they? loved them because a duck will land on that a duck will stay up on that rock and he'll sleep there yeah. and he can see out over the field just it's about. a good little uh, a refuge isn't it yeah. Yeah. yeah any advice Anthony to anybody who recently took out the no, pond you want to make and, a pond and, and yeah. the water and the water is draining out of it it's not staying in it so well, it's yeah if you can I, if, I, if I was making a pond I'd say one thing pick an area with a pick a ditch with a flow I mean, if you have a flow in a 12 months of the year, you'll have water going into the pond and going yeah. out of the pond for 12 months of the year. If you're relying on a spring, it's a different thing altogether. Yeah. Or if you're relying on rainfall, it just mightn't it's happen. But if, if you're lucky enough to have a flow, that's yeah. the place. But different have. types of ponds are good, aren't they? Yeah, and starlings the, going over. Loads of starlings. Yeah. The pond, what's the most important thing about a pond are the margins. Yeah. Look, we we'll go in here. And did you plant any of that or did it all just come naturally? I, I tell you now, I went off somewhere and I got a bit of uh, iris flag iris flagger. yeah there's yeah. some that over there I see the a clump there, a clump yeah. there there's two clumps of it there yeah yeah there... I got some oh kingfisher kingfisher just went up the ditch did he yeah, oh, yeah very he just came a kingfisher just went round and up the ditch oh, like really? right through the little tiny gap yeah oh, fantastic yeah, there'd, be, there'd be a constant sight there wouldn't yeah. be kingfisher would be a constant sight here it's gas the water quality here is desperate is it <laughs> I don't like saying it but it's have you had it tested second desperate Irish water over here last summer yeah, there was and there came out. There was a group of them came out, Chagas Canal, the sort of thing. They were trying to start some initiatives to get landowners to take more interest in water, and we tested. And what they did was they did a kick test. And what you do is you go below that, you find a, find try and find a place with a bit of flowing water, a few stones, things like that. And all you do is you take a scoop full of stones, put them into a basin, and see what insects are there. Oh, it's the river fly monitoring kind of stuff, yeah. the little larvae things. Yeah. So the, the better the water is, the more oxygen there in the water is, the more. Species, yeah, yeah. So stone flies and caddis flies and all that stuff. Those, unfortunately, just the uh, shrimp. All we got was shrimp, water louts, yeah, things yeah. that weren't uh, that them didn't need that much. Um, they didn't need high water quality. Yeah, uh, that's all we found. And it's on. There's one way to find out that. Yeah, pretend it is. Here, come up here, look. <laughs> um, is a lot of that to do with, like, runoff hey, from agricultural land? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's all to do with, it's all to do with runoff. Agricultural, agricultural chemicals and... Yeah. No, it's just simple. Effluent as well. There's a lot of tillage, a lot of, a lot of grain growing ground up there, permanent grain growing ground. And it, it's, very, it's remarkable. If they plough, they're doing things the conventional way. If they plough, say, there in the autumn, and there's a big fall of rain, that ditch will run... Soil. All the effluent goes in. And the, the, that'll stay the colour of soil for weeks and weeks and weeks. And whatever is associated with that grain growing, fertilisers. It's spreads. all going into the water. It's all going into the water. 
You've put trail cams out on this a few times, haven't you? Somehow. Trail cams on trail here. Trail cams out on it a few times, yeah. I've seen loads of teal on it one winter. What's the feather off? I'd say Red tips on it. That's Drake Mallard. Would you? I'd yeah. say it's yeah. Drake Mallard. Then throwing out grain there, look. You see, you see You're putting grain in the water, you yeah. see the way that's cleaned? Yeah. That's the duck in feeding, and they're just, they won't, they, they, in, in their efforts to get at the grain, they're just clean in the bottom like that. Yeah, there's no and algae or anything on it. Yeah. You know, as you go all around, you'll find very yeah. down, Loads of different plants in it, that's all. That's ducked out. Oh, yeah. That's ducked down there. There is, there's loads of... That's water mint, is that's it? That's water mint there, that's right. Yeah. That's loads, there's loads of water mint. There's, um... There's... <laughs> common rush. I love the Latin yeah. name for Junkus. Junkus. <laughs> Junkus effusus or something, isn't it? <laughs> Junkus. Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's meadow sweet there. Oh yeah. There's some of the narrow leaf grasses. They're the real beneficial ones for insects now. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and small mammals actually. as well. They love that rough grass, tussocky yeah, grass, don't they? There. What's that now? With seed head on. With that seed head. I'm poor on, in, Is it yarrow? Maybe. Mm, oh no. No, it's like not. This. You have some chance in summer when there's um, yeah. But you, when you put a colour on it or whatever. Yeah. yeah, there it is again. There. Yeah. What the hell is it? I know what that is. That's um, Southfield prunella. Oh yes, yes. That's Southfield prunella. Prunella vulgaris, isn't it? The purple prunella. one. Yeah. Uh, I is that? I suspect that's mint. Mint. That one. There. <laughs> mint. I know it's there, but it put, when I went off and I got five or six plants of it. It looks there like it's, um, yeah. Common scabious there, which is lovely. Oh yeah, it's good for butterflies, isn't it? Yeah, there's a little bit of purple loose strife there. There's Angelica. That's what's left of Angelica. Oh yeah. Is that this here as well? Yeah. yeah. Look, at this, at this time of the year now, it's about birds. Yeah. What, that, what type of water have you in there? The, okay, you start off here. This is the most important part of the pond. The things are at the margins. Yeah. yeah. If anybody's making a pond, shelve the banks. Shallow edges. Sh- shallow edges. And start off with an inch or two water at the yeah. at the edge. And yeah. slowly bring it out. Okay, so you go out to, you, can, you can see it there, you go out to two, three feet of water there. And then the deepest place of all was just around the pond. Just Did if, we get to four or five feet? If it went to about I'd say there's four feet there of water around, yeah. around the just around the edge. What did it say? Do you need about six feet for the for uh, the, like a tuft of duck and whatever, wouldn't you? I've never seen them. There. No, I tell yeah, you what, it's, six feet of water. it's gas. The, uh, mallard, teal, kingfisher, water hen, and occasionally a little grebe, and they don't stay. No, yeah, they don't stay, and I often wonder why they don't stay. Yeah, and it's usually always young birds. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they'll be here for a week or so, and then they'll go off again. Yeah, and every now and again, well, it's the little thing you see a snipe here. Yeah, and you see a woodcock. But it's not. I don't ever see much fish in that water. No, you see plenty of sticklebacks, and that's it. And, and that's what that's, that's what the kingfisher is taking. Yeah, kingfisher takes. Kingfisher will take, and little grebe will take um, dragonfly nymphs as well. Yeah, you see the kingfisher here on the on the rocks. I've seen them just sitting. They've seen them on a branch there, and over see an overhanging branch there. Yeah, but I suppose if I was clever, what I should be doing is putting those. But Anthony, going back to the wetting of this field, you what did you do? Dig up where the where the pipes were and broke them. There was one main pipe and. No, Jesus, was horrified. You really? Good, this is good, good. Thought you were losing pipe. your mind, did you? See, the, lo- the flow is from back up there, yeah. down here, and the place to break the pipe was down here. Break the pipe down far here, mm-hmm. and you'll cause a backup of water all the way back up. And no, he wasn't. He wasn't. He went back up there and he made a little hole up there. He found the pipe back up at the back of the field, where it wasn't doing much work anyway. Okay. Little there, anyway. It didn't work. It was a little hole with a little wet spot around it. 
But I got his son who was much younger and might have been a little oh. greener in his thoughts. To break we broke the pipe here. We found it here, think of it digging around, but we found it here. It comes with a pipe going across from the far side yeah. and it goes into the pond there. How did you find it? It's just gone in and dug. Okay. That's it. You had an idea where it was. There it is there. Can you see a kind of a line there? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. No, we just, we just broke, got down, got the pipe, broke it, put everything back in. And put it's the like a, just a clay or cement pipe, yeah, is it? Yeah, just, it was a 12-inch pipe, 12-inch pipe, and I know well there'd be, uh, it's like a fishbone, like a herringbone. There'd be a coming in down from the side at a right angle into it. But we broke it here. And that was, that was, it sat there very dry all winter onto Storm Barra. Was it Storm Barra there? Storm Barra, yes. Two weeks yeah. ago. Straight away, this came up. <laughs> And it was gas, the first thing in black-headed guns, starlings. Uh, a few crows around about. There was, was a reaction to the waterlog, and I noticed worms coming out. Oh, yeah. So it was waterlogged, so the worms kind of leapt it to some degree. Yeah. <laughs> and um, So the, they were feeding on that initial flush of worms. What, that's, yeah. what the, uh, that's what the gold worms Now we're starting to get squelchy now. That's what the winter thrushes were in after. That's what the yeah. starlings were after. Loads of whitetails. All right. Yes, yeah, so there's a huge area now in the middle of the field underwater. I can hear quacks from it. Okay. <laughs> and what are you hoping to get in? So, well, the ultimate aim is I know there's a population of lapwing within about within two miles of here, and they're really struggling. Yeah. They're in the field near Barberstown Cross, and they're struggling. Yeah. So I just, you know, and I know lapwing are there's something that needs help, and yeah. I know if you work with them and give them the conditions. You can succeed. Yeah. Would so that thing not need a bit of uh, cloud land or? They're probably yeah. Probably other other than just green grass. Disturbed ground to yeah, nest well, on, don't they? What, yeah. Okay. What, what, what we did here anyway was what was done here was the pipe was broken down there. This water built up as a, as a consequence. But before the water came, we're going to fill it in with a with a power harrow. Yeah. Uh, we power harrowed this where just like I could make it was very interesting where the water lay before thistles didn't grow at all last summer and you could pick out the area where the water was where the water was going to lie because there was no thistles on it so we just power harrowed that and it brought up a good deal yeah it brought up a good deal of clay shoved yeah. it around the dirt and it exposed mud yeah and straight away they were tucking in on it it was mallard teal Jesus, within three or four days of the water being here, I couldn't believe it. There was a couple of lapwing here. Really? Yeah. I'd say they were just going by. They were here for two days. They were here for two days, and off they went. Build it, and they will come, yeah? Yeah, but you can see where the land is harrowed here, Sean. Oh, yeah. (coughs) That'll be harrowed there. So this will be the kind of ground they might nest on next year when it's dry. It'll be the type of ground, yeah. Yeah. I'd say it's going to be a learning process. Yeah. Learning process. But um, he's after Storm Bar. Uh, he's brought up the stones as well. I, yeah. threw, I, threw, out, I threw out some wheat on Just threw wheat into the shallow water there. Yeah. I knew, I knew Mallard and uh, Mallard and Teal would find it attractive. But uh, very quickly then sniper in. And you wouldn't see the sniper there. The sniper be here. He's sitting in tiny little hollows. I wouldn't be surprised if that snipe droppings. There's a lot of droppings there, yeah. yeah. I would snipe you here, you'll be here around the edge. And this week, this week you had some... Well, well, the first thing was after Stormbar, I come out here. But it, nothing happens here before pitch dark. Yeah. You're at a visual disadvantage because they don't get to see what's coming in. We've uh, around just around when it's really dark, the first ducks start coming in, and you'll see mallard coming in. You, you won't see teal, but you'll hear them. They're yeah. too fast and too small. Yeah. But after Stormbar, I come out and I heard these, these long kind of whistling flute-like noises. Which yeah. 
Really? And I just, first night, I wasn't sure what it was. And I just wondered, is it ever a widgeon? And I googled it on the phone, called a widgeon. Jeez, it was a widgeon. And there must have been a good few of them here because there were calls all around the area. I could hear it all. I was standing over there in the gap. They kind of do this, woo, woo, yeah, kind of sound, don't they? Yeah. And I could hear Mallard and I could hear Keel going. And I could hear Snipe. Right. I could hear Snipe giving calls. They're all a bit jumpy. But, jeez, uh, uh, the widgeon are staying. To my surprise, they're staying. They're back here. We're here la- I came out, Joe came out here last night with the Palomine came out with night, Look at all the, night vision gear. The uh, footprints. Yeah. Yeah. Night vision gear. Yeah. And we could see. Now, he might have been telling me. He might have been telling me what I wanted to hear. Okay. He said he could see at least a hundred words. I looked at his gear. I thought there was at least. 30, 40 birds there. He looked at it when he said, There's anything that there is, he said, There's 100 birds there. Now, I'll tell you what I could see. I could see what might have been snipe. I could see little small things. Tiny little dots. Yeah, and you could see fine big things. Yeah. And didn't you get some waders as well uh, during the week? Yesterday, neighbour, a, a pal came through the field. Yeah, dog, uh, came through the field with a dog and a camera. Des Bell came through. And uh, Jesus, Des noticed there was a birds out here feeding away. Unusual looking birds. Unusual looking birds. Curlew like birds. Curlew like birds. He <laughs> so got the camera. Good telescopic lens on it. Bar tail, black tail got it. Really? Yeah, black tail, Tom. Yeah. 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 Now, Tom, look, what's that feather? Yeah, it's a feather, yeah. What is it? I don't know. This is twice. Could be anything, couldn't it? Yeah. Oh, there's a bit of a mark on it. Mm-hmm. Just look at the other side. Yeah. There's plenty of feathers here. I know. You're not probably probably one of the skull. Skull is right there. Yeah, if you come out, so black-tailed godless. That's great. Water here now. Yeah, when you come out in the morning, look. I tell you what. So we're standing in the middle of a. Every morning, the whole thing a flood, is muddied up. <laughs> intentional flood. Everything, every morning, the whole thing is muddied up to the last. Fresh mud kicked up everywhere. Yeah, yeah. there's obviously plenty. Well, of you can see it here; it's all there's totally brown, isn't it? Yeah. Well, coming out every second day with a couple of kilos of wheat, oh, yeah. out, and that keeps the ducks interested. Absolutely, brilliant. Keeps them interested. So you're saying it's a false, a false dawn for you, is it? If you stop feeding, they'll go away, will they? Well, probably. Just... <laughs> no, they won't. So, I'm, I'm surprised at the level of water you have here. Actually. It's not swimming water now. No, but it's well, well over my... It's lovely waving water. But this is the first... I came out one evening just at dark and I stood up there at the top. The next thing, where are wings over my head? A pair of woodcock. And it was like springtime. They were chasing each other. They really? Round and round and round and round. The opportunity to watch them for three or four minutes and then the two of them just stopped. Well, there's been such, such uh, wild autumn and early winter that uh, you can see the rookeries. The rookeries are really active at the moment. I see starlings in there defending their nest. I don't know what that is. Starlings defending their nest themselves. But you're saying about attracting the, the ducks in that, that'll change the vegetation here because they'll be bringing in I stuff I that. Yeah. but as well as that I mean you can see you can see the uh, the electricity pylons in the field as well here now yeah yeah and those pylons are great lookout posts for peregrine falcon he has peregrine falcon here on a regular basis you know, I've seen ravens on them before is that mallard anyway that's mallard oh yeah I'd be fairly certain that's one of them yeah so Anthony, you said the contractor thought you were absolutely well, mad and wouldn't do it. What what would your neighbouring <laughs> What would your neighbouring farmers think? Do they know what you've done? Well 
I kind of, I'm kind of feeling a little smug. Are you? <laughs> I just get the feeling I could be a little bit ahead of the posse. Yeah, you good. Just get that feeling, you know. Yeah. But as well as that, you're in an area where uh, the field, the field is well protected, if you know what I mean, by by his it's, other fields. It's out so of it's out of view. Boundary with any other farm. Yeah. And and that's not the thing, like you know, now, but, you know, I, I I haven't seen the details yet of the next round of uh, of the next round of agricultural environmental schemes. I was just going to ask, are you I getting any subsidies or payments yet, for this? I think now, I think they're talking about. Now they're talking about things that are really talking about payments there for, for you know, for enda- for endangered birds like lapwing. They're talking about. Yeah, because the farmers being encouraged to. I haven't heard any talk about you know the actively wetting land, but I'm talking. I'm hearing talk about if any farmer has, yeah, if they have lapwing trying to nest on the land. Yeah, it's going. To, you're going to be. You're going to be rewarded. Your first little but tiny clump of rushes what, there. What, what would the department say to you if you wrote inside this? Well, it would depend on, on the individual, I'd say. You know, if you got the conventional... I'd just say, if you got the conventional department of ag, Chagas Goodbyes are coming out. It's nothing there, in it? So there about yield and productivity, it's, it's, right? nothing there. It's not in their uh, line of thinking. Well, they think so is there anything that you're doing, Anthony, for nature that you do get paid for? Or are you just doing well, it of your own batch? I'd be, be in the conventional... I'd be in the conventional environment, schemes, which at the moment are glass... You know, and that's um, there'll be nothing. Very, I straight up, there's nothing terribly specific in it. To be asking you to say, mind your head, just to be asking you. You know, you can you can. Set but you have your linnet feed. You have your linnet feed. Yeah, feed as well. that's a that's a good one. So yeah, you get paid linnet. a little bit for that. Pay you do. You get, yeah. Yeah, as a matter of fact, you get well paid for it. Yeah. Look at this now. That's good. Now you can hear. You can hear the look, look on, on the wire over here, Sean. Are they goldfish or linnet? Oh. Where are you there? Red or pippet. You hear them? It could be teal now or it's something. Not, it? It's not. Teal and have black spots on, on breast feathers. Oh, yeah. They definitely have. Teal have black spots on breast feathers. Just here on the wire is going across. Yellow hammer left of the pole. Yeah. And you've got meadow pippet just right of it. 20 years ago here, it would be a thousand meadow pippets here. Really? Yeah. Now you're down to little small numbers. Yeah. But it would be. Well, five or six there, They're all bog they were all bog birds. They left the bogs for the winter. You know, the breeding season was over. They're coming on to farm land to Numbers now are gone so small because... The bogs are gone, yeah. You're getting deeper there, Dad. Right? nice drop of water here, Anthony. Yeah, yeah, I can't go any further. You're, you're losing wellies there. The senior man. The senior man. She's good. I tell you what, something interesting happened here. Uh, a little interesting thing happened here. Uh, if we made a couple of nights with a torch and it flicked around, there was a fox hanging around the whole time. I bet. And he didn't strike me as a very intelligent fox because two or three times he sat down in front of me at 50 metres, just sat there looking at me. Yeah. Wouldn't budge. Not the cleverest thing to do. And I said, you're not the brightest, you know? Yeah. Jeez, what did I find over there? Yeah. Now, this is, look, this is an area that you shoot towards. Yeah. I mean, it's a flat area. A load of feathers. The uh, of a mallard, of a drake mallard over there. Yeah, you are. Oh, yeah? I found the primary, the two or two of the, uh, the primary five feathers put together. Yeah. She was more intelligent than you thought. More intelligent are the ducks, sir. Well, you can see no, here are they the mallard? birds are used are they mallard? here. Are they mallard? A bit of higher ground, yeah. yeah. Are they mallard, do you think? Mm. I'm not sure. I don't know, it's hard to say, isn't it? Yeah. 
the kind of black feather centre with kind of yeah. tan tips on lovely them. big I, yesterday I saw two or three lovely big long copper coloured feathers not mallard they're not could be off the widgeon maybe could be off the widgeon but copper coloured yeah. that, that particular place seems to get an awful pound in at night time yeah loads of lucky holes in it and yeah a bit of higher ground in the middle of all Absolutely. the water and yeah. they'd hear the fox coming through probably there the fox is around anyway yeah. Didn't impress me, but <laughs> he didn't <laughs> impress that male mallard either. <laughs> well, he was able to get his dinner. I'm yeah. pr- presuming it was, but there's feathers down. I have her down. Like, this is what I'm talking about. Very on. This is what I'm talking about. I don't think that's mallard. No, that's not. I'd say that's probably off your widgeon or could be off the widgeon, yeah. This ready brown colour. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When you see them floating on top of the water their last nights. Yeah, there's a great website called Feather Base. Feather Base, don't you? And they they set out every single feather off uh, each species of bird so you can match it up. Yeah, Yeah, Feather Base. Yeah, that area now, I mean you obviously roost around here. There's an awful lot of droppings, aren't there? Loads, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and markings and whatever, yeah? Yeah. As you said, right. higher, a bit higher. Ground. Look at the footprints here of a little, yeah. probably snipe or something, is it? There's no yeah, webs yeah, on them, just... Yeah. I came in here one yeah. night, um, in the last week, through one evening, and I had the, the dog with me, the beagle, and she, I had, she was off the let her loose. Yeah. Plenty snipers. Yeah. Into the water now in front of me. Mm. Yeah. Now, I didn't see them. But I could just hear, I heard a good, good knock call from Yeah. Will you show us this finch uh, mix or finch field that you've been... Oh, the, the bird crop. The linnet bird crop, yeah. Anyway. That's great to see. Congrats. <laughs> It'll get better and better year on year, won't it? I'm just as delighted. Yeah. And you've been thinking about it for years, have you? Yeah, we thought he was mad for years. We knew he was mad for years. I've been talking about this. Oh, no, I look at it. I can just tell you, not too far from here, last year, December, there was 14 to 15 grain like geese on the field there. They were around there for two days. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I just wouldn't be surprised. Uh, if they appeared. Yeah. What's the... Brothers Brothers Place, yeah. What's the connection here, guys? How did you meet? Did you meet through Kildare Birdwatch Ireland? Yeah, or? yeah we did. Kildare Birdwatch. Great branch. <coughs> Yeah, about 12 years ago we set up uh, a Kildare branch on Board Watch Ireland. Yeah. And I suppose in fairness, uh, we were all keen board watchers. <laughs> and very, very early on, um, through maybe three or four of the members, uh, Anthony would have been one of them who had a, a conservation agenda as well. You can see what he's doing around here. Yeah. He also had a great influencer in Brendan Cabinet. Yeah. Uh, who was... Uh, a pioneer with the, the huge Bura project down in County Oxley. Oh, that's a big grey partridge project, great isn't it? Partridge po- project. Yeah. Uh, part of it, yeah. And they've got a great Blackwood project down there as well. And that's sponsored by, like, I suppose you could say the government, effectively. Um, but they've got a couple of hundred acres and they've all the local farmers into a scheme. And then we had another influencer. Um, Harry Sheridan. These are a year ago. Yeah. Um, and he was he was very big into the conservation side rather than even watching birds, bird watching. Yeah. So yeah, we got involved in lots of schemes then. 
That's about the relationship built up over that, yeah. yeah. And you've had people out to the farm all the time, kind of yeah, showing yeah. them yeah, yeah, yeah. a different way of farming, right? You get, you get ideas from people. Yeah. You really do. You get ideas from people. That's the, that's a big plus to it. And inspire other people, and right? Inspire other people, yeah. yeah. Is it going that way, do you think, Anthony, in Ireland, with farmers being a bit more sensitive now to nature, or how far we've gone in the opposite direction that's, that's, and we need to go back? This this summer I was part of the Kildare Pollinator project. Yep. And I just felt that was a great step forward because it involved very intensive farmers. Did it, yeah. Particularly uh, down the good land came from the south of Kildare. Good lot of them are grain farmers, intensive yeah. cereal farmers. And there's a great level of enthusiasm among them. A uh, great amount of effort. Excuse uh, me, it was an eye opener. Yeah. Because, you know, there are people in the sector where environmental care and attention is most needed. Yes, yeah. You, you know, you pick two of the most intensive farming enterprises. Here it's dairying and, and cereal. Arable, yeah. And they're the ones, you know, with all the inputs, they're the ones with. The, you know, they're the ones that influence land use and, and nature the most. Yeah, with pesticides and fungicides and herbicides and everything. Input, it's high input farming. Yeah. Uh, well, just to give you an example as well of the interest, Sean, um, I suppose you could say five years ago, we went out of our way to advertise on local radio and press to try and see if there were sightings of barn owls in, in the country. I'm yeah. in the water now, guys. Is it just a hooded crow bathing? A hooded crow, yeah. yeah. Not the bat. Yeah. Not the bat, even in the middle of winter. But um, we went out of our way to advertise and look for Please maybe sight- sightings. sightings. And when we heard of sightings in different areas, we approached people to put up barn owl boxes. Yeah. We probably initially, in the first two years, put up 40 boxes, 40, 50 boxes. Yeah. Now, on a regular basis, we have farmers coming on to us, and mostly farmers or landowners coming on saying they've, they'd love to do something for nature again, and they'd love to have something like a barn owl box uh, in their sheds or on their land to see could they do something. And the words some of them use is they'd like to put something back into it. Yeah. Because I think most people realise that... We've taken a lot huge out. Huge amount out with intensive farming. And probably remember from when they were growing up, they'd yeah. see barn owls around and now realise they don't, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. They're an indicator species, aren't they? Yeah, For... definitely. And, uh, you know, we've probably been blessed in some ways with the barn owls. Uh, we <laughs> accidentally brought in a food source for them uh, 40 to 50 years ago. Oh, we yeah, were we were talking about this last night. When we were developing... Um, all of the new golf courses with a culture of golf building up from the Ryder Cup to whatever else. So big courses where Ryder Cup has been, like the K Club. Courses like Mount Juliet where Jack Nicklaus is involved. Sorry to interrupt now. Is that rabbits or? Rabbits, yeah. And Scratches courses, in the ground. A, a, a course in, in, down in Limerick where the Ryder Cup is going to be played in the next four or five years under mm-hmm. J.P. McManus. They brought in trees, 20, 25, 30-year-old trees into the courses that could afford to bring them in rather than sow saplings. Yeah. And they brought in... Big root balls with them. Big root balls with them, and then it was the white-tooted shrew, for instance, that came in from Holland. Yeah. And that white-tooted shrew over the last 40 years has now spread upwards, northwards, 
throughout the country. Through the Midlands. And we're seeing the barren owls starting to populate those areas. And it's just, obviously it is a food source for them. And the great thing about and, and the great thing about those white toothed shrews are about the other animal, the bank fall. Bank fall. They don't they, they, they don't you they don't they don't they don't spend time in their own farmhouse. Mm. So they don't come across rat poisons. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. They don't come across resent, so resent it's an unexpected positive so of a non native species, they, right? They they are largely speaking our identified free yeah. source of food, a safe source of food for raptors. Yeah. That's a great thing. Whereas the mouse and the, the mouse and the rat are on the farmyard. They're so often you know, yeah. contaminated. They were, they were contaminated with poison enough at the time. Yeah. Carry down into the birds of prey then and didn't do didn't do them any favours. No. But the downside of the white toothed shrew is it outcompetes the native pygmy shrew. The pygmy shrew, the native pygmy shrew is still around here. All, the white toothed shrew is here too. I have we, it here, yeah. Yeah, we we found a couple here. First thing you see a dead one. First thing you mark is the mouth is open a bit, white teeth sticking out. Yeah. That's straight away the white teeth visible. Yeah, they're a bit different looking alright. Um, but it's a, it's a bit like the, the grey squirrel and the red squirrel story, isn't it? Anthony's had greys around here recent recent years, but no reds here now for years, no? no well, you brought me to an, a farm fairly nearby where there's reds, and I was yeah. astounded to hear there was reds in Kildare. Yeah. 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 But they're coming back with the pine martin, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pine martins Anything preferentially like eating the greys, and the reds are coming back yeah. behind so it. He's not able to get to the, the red. The red is so small. So agile, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. much lighter than the pine martin. Noise. I just wonder what that noise is behind us. It's Anthony's little flock of guinea fowl. They're an odd looking bird, aren't they? Very odd looking bird, yeah. <laughs> uh, but they're, they're, um, they're also a great alarm system to have around the place. If there's a fox or anything uh, in, anything, they'll anything kick off. Yeah. 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 Um, Sean, as we stop here, yeah. um, it's, a, it's a lovely old building. Yeah. So it'll be like grain store or something, and is there's it? A loft. Yeah. There's a yeah. loft, yeah. a loft all the way across the top of it. And uh, two years ago here, um, we had a guy who uh, found an injured barn owl. Oh, yeah. And um, we went up and we collected it off him. And there's a, there is a service, I suppose, an animal hospital service, an operation, and there was at the time there's in Kildare. Yeah, service, yeah. And uh, it was a Friday evening, and they said they'd have a look at it on the Monday morning. So we put it up into that... Attic. Loft, yeah. Wasn't there the fly or anything a man told us? Wasn't there the fly? Put it up there in the loft. We covered all the areas that we thought it could get out. <laughs> we put food up we put food up there for the, in young dead chicks, whatever that you know, he was feeding them and it was taking. And the next morning we went out, just gone. Just gone. But so might have just been stunned or recovering. That bird flew with one beat of its wing from one end of the attic to the other. Yeah, I did, yeah. For an injured bird. Because he yeah. put a trail cam up, didn't he? Yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah, so I had, a, I had a and he, you know, he'd, but he'd, he'd a big bloody journey to take to get out. Yeah, he had to. He had to one end of the attic. He'd go out a hole. He'd go down then four or five feet to a much lower attic. Yeah, and he'd get down there was a and then he'd get out over. And then he'd get out like he, but he did it. And then of course the owner <laughs> back on to. I'm sure he was back, back with the owner in no time. No way. Well, he wasn't really. <laughs> he wasn't, wasn't nah. really. No, but. There was a, an owl back there. I mean, it's too far for a, yeah. a barn owl to go back. But it just showed you, like, he was saying it was injured. He had it and he was feeding it for uh, a couple of couple of days or whatever before he gave it to us. Yeah. And uh, it had, like, like angel wing to a degree. The wing was way down, but it still had okay. to fly. Yeah. You've got quite a few of these little, like, forestry plantations. Yep. Anthony, yeah. we've flushed woodcock in there before, haven't we? Yeah, we did. Gas and long-eared owl. 
you've seen Long-eared in there. Dad, yeah. Now, we saw, we saw now last night, to be almost certain, Long-Eared Dog. Yeah. I tell you, know, this winter, last winter, we caught very scarce there. Oh, not, yeah? Yeah. I'm not the only one saying it. They're just scarce. But, um, yeah. <clears throat> what are the rooks feeding on outside, Anthony, do you think? I would like to think that there's a consequence to leaving those thistles grow on during the summer and not harming them because there was first of all there was a great crop of thistle seeds from it. Yeah. but the next thing when the thistles were in bloom themselves lovely purple blossoms you know you could smell the nectar crash mm. from the thistles it, it drew in an enormous amount of insect life and there was an awful lot of insect the, breeding the scrubs in there. the ground I think there? there's still a con- I think the consequence of that is I think there's an awful lot of I would imagine still a lot of insect life out there at some stage of its life on the ground and there's a lot of seeds <coughs> I'd say a lot of thistle seeds on the ground a lot of thistle debris it could be bringing up uh, yeah it could be bringing up invertebrates closer to the surface that are available for roofs yeah but I would say I would just imagine that's what's going on because geez there's enough I, I think this winter geez for the last month here there's great bird life mm, brilliant yeah. I remember Tom one of the I think one of the one of the times you were here John, with, with Tom, I remember you saying, gosh, it was the, as quiet as you'd seen the Absolutely, place in a while. It mustn't have been a thistle summer. Mm. I'm just going to watch this in the future, that if you get a good thistle summer, and if the thistles bloom well, and if they're, you know, if you get this great insect life around the thistles, does it follow on you get a good bird winter? I'm just I have to ask what this, uh, this, <laughs> this strange this, contraption this is. This is part is. of the bee pollinator plant. This? This is part of Come the bee pollinator Come over this side plant. over here, and you'll see what he's done. Ah, right, so okay. You can just put up on, make sure it's on trees as well. So we've got a, a big block of wood stuck to a fence here, and an ash sapling. And, uh, and now I see it's a bee hotel, is bee it? Bee hotel. Kind of a bee hotel. Very good. Yeah. I wondered what it was. It seemed to work. Yeah, it yeah. seemed to work. Yeah, it yeah. seemed to work. Did you see yeah. them going in and out? See them going in and out. And you'd see little little kind of webs over there. You'd see little yeah. webs around the, around the holes. Very good. So they were put up part of yeah. the pollinator thing thought it was a kind of a rusticy looking bird table at first <laughs> I could see you got Mary Rose out to brush all the leaves off the driveway tractor I'd say nice the, trees the, here the, the eh? man comes in and he, we, we tin out the forestry I tin the forestry here with two other two other men here but you know I just they take out what wood you know what wood they out but one of them very kindly came by with a blower the other day these are all oaks and Jesus. Scots pine, yeah? These, there's oak there. There's the the tree that's going to vanish from Merlin soon. So when I think of it, look at your dad there. Yeah, yeah. There's the ash that made sure to curse me the made the hurls. Yeah. yeah. But it ash did die back now, it's all around. Are you seeing area. it? Yeah. yeah, it's all right, yeah. Particularly if you look at young ash. Young ash is definitely. Yeah, you see the tips of it going, don't you? There, there's a mature oak beside it. Yeah. Me, the last month here, I've seen three, I've seen three creeper two or three times a week. Really? You could go a year here and you might see three creeper once or twice. I've seen, well, in, in and I've seen them in pairs. In yeah. fairness, Anthony, any time we had an outing here where we bring in our group yeah. to walk around, this corner down here was always good for three creepers. Three creepers, yeah, well, they're there. Oh, they're yeah. certainly there now. Some nice Scots pines as well, big ones. Yeah. Corsican pine. Is it? It's gas. Corsican pine does well locally. I don't know why. They don't, pine often don't like high pH soils and it is yeah. a high pH yeah. They're high HP, so it's bullfinch. Look, look. bullfinch. Yeah. Oh, no, I missed them. But, yeah. bullfinch, yeah. but um, these do well. Cars can pine do well. Okay. If, you go to, if you go to the carton, go to the Cape Club. The big yeah. pine trees. Yeah. They're too big, it's, it's close. They're too big. But, but I was, pine doesn't. I was telling Sean, yeah. I was telling Sean earlier yeah. that, you know, 
we're seeing the decline in so many of our farm birds or whatever else. But two birds that have really thrived in the last two or three years that we've seen and very prevalent around the mistle thrush and the bullfinch. Yeah. Mistle thrush, mistle thrush, aren't they? Bullfinch are flying, flying. Yeah, they're, 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 they're common. Yeah. And they're both red listed, I think, aren't they? They are. I like Anthony that you got instead of the very neat manicured beech hedging, you've got some brambles grown through it. <laughs> Yeah, the beach head's very attractive. It's Ooh, lovely, isn't it? Yeah. No thorns. Do you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure... Uh, I, you but know, the you... brambles that tear the, out of your trousers, like, uh, yeah. when you're trying to manoeuvre around yeah. the farm, that's the only I thing. presume one of the reasons you've got good level long-eared owls, they like this coniferous <laughs> wood, don't they? <laughs> they like that sort of thing. Ivy is... In, there's plenty of ivy around here. I just... I've been told that ivy is, does exceptionally well in Kildare. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, it's a big so there's a lot of evergreen cover for them. A lot of, a lot of evergreen cover, but then you know, it's, visually, trees look much better without ivy on. You, you know, you always, we always tend to think think of trees in summer in foliage, in flower, and in fruit, and a beautiful look. But I'll tell you what, a tree in winter time without a leaf on it, without a flower or, or without a fruit, can be a lovely thing. And the thing about it is the trunk. If you look at the trunk of a tree yeah. and look at the bark, the bark has its own character, its own colour. You can identify it by you it. You can identify yeah. it, but to appreciate that, you have to have an ivy free. If you yeah. come here, Sean, and just look at the gate, yeah. I'd mean, have said uh, we'd have had our first outing, you know, here with Anthony eight, nine, ten years ago. Yeah, there thereabouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'd have walked up and down that laneway, no problem. Mm. You can see now, look, the brambles and everything else. Look at the way, how prolific they are around there. And you imagine, <laughs> no, the, the, imagine the feed. Well, we take a walk down this way and, and, the, and then come back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's the thing, like this obsession with being too tidy or like seeing, oh, that laneway's getting yeah. overgrown. I'll cut it. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be because you haven't anymore. used it, right? It doesn't need to be. Doesn't yeah. no. it doesn't have to be tidy. No. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. This thing works really well. The driveway here. There you are now. The driveway is cut once a year. Yeah. Just once a year. I come out here and when, the, when all the foliage there has gone to seed, gone to seed and shed <coughs> seed, which will be well into August, I come out and I'll mow it with the, with the tractor and mower. And then we gather up the, the, up the, the, up the debris, the straw from it. So effectively you're treating it as a wildfire meadow. Treating it as a wildfire. And do you know what? It's the most entertaining thing. Beautiful, yeah. Over the summer. It is. It is. It's different if every month. Taken, if, you yeah. t- if you stop, look at it. If you just look at the oh, plants yeah. that are there, and if you even go just to learn, go to the point of learning their names, and learn. You see something new in it every and month. Watch the insects you? that are around them. Suddenly, you lose interest in the lawnmower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just do it. Very good. I keep yeah. saying, say no to the mow. Say <laughs> no to the mow. Which is the idea there? Like the idea is very interesting. Like we, people used to think it was parasitic on the tree. It's not at all. I can tell you now, ten years ago, all that ivy was cut down at the base. Yeah. And so back at all again. There's the scotch pine, now, and scotch pine there in that oh, situation yes. won't do any better than that. No? It's as good as it'll do. It yeah. just kind of doesn't like the sides here. It flattens out at 30, 40 feet. That's it. It's finished. Right. That's just, it just won't grow anymore. Whereas the Corsican pine will go on into much bigger trees. Yeah. There's that greater blackback gull again. They're hanging around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They could be attracted to the seed of the field as well. Yeah. Here's another bee. Well, let's let's mention it, or is it? Here's a tiny little, <laughs> a tiny little splash here. Yeah. This is this yeah. is interesting. This is good now. Watch this. Oh yeah. Tiny little splash here. That was yeah. always wet there. That was always wet there. All the way along. I'd say when the driveway was going down, there was natural drainage disrupted yeah. or pipes broken. But that was always a swamp the whole way along. So we ran a pipe from start of the wet ground back there. And ran it into here. And there's you the see, pipe see coming the pipe out. See the black pipe coming out. 
Oh, yeah. Just see it through yeah. the water. And I said, why don't make a feature out of it? And it's the willow, is it? Willow self seated in there. Well, so we left a little splash of water. <laughs> and you know what? It's the first place frogs spawn. Really? Can, yeah. And I think a lot of it is the sun is coming up over there. So it's warm, shallow so it's water. The sun early on. Shallow early water, on. Yeah. Warm, shallow water, but, yeah. You know, if, you just, if you're going up and down the driveway, once March comes, I stop and I look. Once you see the heads and you hear the noise, you'll see a bit of spawn. The spring is, that's it. The spring Here's the is on. coming. Here's and the boss. <laughs> but then it's probably a race against time for the tadpoles to develop yeah, before yeah, it dries out, is it? Yeah. We can cut this bit out if you want, but do you want to talk about leaving a little bit of carrying out on the. Right, look, there's yeah. a. Okay, I, I, look. You've left a. When you do things, when you do things, there's, a, there's consequences to every action that more often than not are not foreseen. They're yeah. unseen, there's consequences to it, so. Yeah. A great thing was here 20 years ago that when the forestry drive started here in the 80s, 90s, when the, you know, when people wanted to plant trees in Ireland, <coughs> something I got involved in here and we put in batches of trees around the place and it worked very well. And at the same time, we put in a pond. Yeah. An unforeseen consequence was that it suited predators down to the ground. Mm. It, it really suited foxes. Yeah. Really suited foxes. It suited mink it's out of pine marten if you had water features and if you had forestry they had food source and they cover. cover and they yeah. cover and there was an explosion in the yeah. just explosion in fox numbers here yeah. fox numbers in particular but as well as that um, avian predators grey crow magpie big numbers of buzzards um, it's called um, the meso predators yeah, right like yeah. big number you know the, the top the top birds at the top of the food chain grey heron all that sort of thing increased and it made us you know at the same time you'd be aware that you know you're that they that they are going to have an effect on their on their prey. Yeah. So if you took things like, like lark, pips, uh, young hares, things like that, prey species in general, your songbirds in the hedges, they paid the price for us in a way. And yeah. it, was, it was a direct consequence of something being done or of a human action. That uh, it was a consequence too that it just wasn't foreseen. Mm. So look, we remarked over time here that we had very high levels of fox. We'd mink shown up all the time. Now, very often, uh, it's easy to blame the mink because the mink was kind of a, mm. what was he, an invasive species. Non-native invasive species, You know, it's very species, easy yeah. to find plenty of evidence against, <laughs> to, to label the mink as a, as a the criminal. The bad guy, yeah. <coughs> but there was, you know, there was, there, there was a, I felt there was an over, there was a, we reached the tipping point of predators. We went over the healthy level. Yes, like yeah, it yeah. meant that maybe the prey species were there, but they were barely existing and... It's just putting extra pressure on them because they had already had lots of pressure on them, didn't they? They weren't, they weren't doing well. Look, there was an obvious thing you could have ducked there on the river. Yeah. And it's like a very visible thing. You could have ducked there and you start off at 12, 10, 11, 12, 13. They'd be hammered out of it, yeah. Hammered out of it. Once every three years, if they got one young in the wing, that'd be it. Okay. Mm. And you could see the same thing. You could imagine the same thing going on with say with hares, say with larks, say with pipits, say with crown nesting birds. Yeah. You know, it was just then you know he began to listen to the voices out there was, you know, there was always contradictory voices out there just the way it should be yeah. you know you should have high levels debate of credit it's yeah. a healthy thing plenty of debate going on but yeah. anyway look we were keeping poultry in there we were keeping free range and poultry and impossible yeah. just impossible that's a lesser black is it lesser yeah. it's another one coming but, here look. so you had to take a bit of action so we had to take action and we started straight away on mink yeah um, Jeez, like we found it so easy to take it. There was some, there was mink here, and you don't realise it. Yeah. We started taking it, using traps. So we needed to take it five, six, seven mink a year. 
Yeah. And then we started in on Foxes. Yeah. Jesus, we got our eyes opened. We just couldn't believe the numbers that we had. Yeah. So we did reduce the fox population substantially. But it's still a vibrant mountain in Moran. They all replaced the last one. There's no problem. You come out here any night of the week. We're around here with a torch. I'll find you fox in five minutes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's lots of foxes now. We did take out good numbers of foxes. And straight away, consequences. I saw two clutches of ducks here on that stream over there this year. Yeah. One rare at seven, one rare at five. And I think there was another one around with two or three young ones. But I know before the water even, before the autumn came in, there was a bunch of 12 ducks going around there. I counted them several times, 12 ducks, and I got the impression they were all rare there. Brilliant, yeah, yeah. That wouldn't have happened with, with the very high predator. But that's the side of conservation that a lot of the conservation bodies, organisations don't talk about, do they? Because it's like, a, people don't like to hear it. But great population of buzzards here. No, Jesus. It's the practical side of proper practical. conservation, really. Because we've taken out foxes predators out of the ecosystem. I think Mary Collard's book, I think, actually, one great line in it, as she said, unfortunately, there are species out there that will always suffer if you try and save every endangered species. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, um, and that's the case. Well, you have to control them. Mary talks about curlew and says, like, they're at such a critical point now, we have to decide. Do we want to lose them or do we want to keep them? And if we want to keep them, yeah. some things have to be controlled, right? Until we get landscape kind of scale yeah. change. Yeah. yeah. But there's a great population of buzzards here. Yeah. Fascinating to watch. They're lovely to watch. They're great, aren't they? Yeah, they're... Jesus, I saw... Do you know where they nest? I know where they nest. The nest... There's a wood over there and the nest down the end of the avenue. Yeah. And the young ones show up here every year around July. Tell them noise. They're noisy, aren't they? They go from, yeah, <laughs> go from tree to tree. The short flights from yeah. tree to tree. Noise. Calling for to be fed. I wouldn't touch a buzzard. I leave them they're alone. Too, they're enough south in the tree. Yeah. What's in the tree? Oh, Robin. Robin. Yeah. It's loads of monsters. Nice little tree house there. Aren't we lost our kestrels are gone. Are they? We have a kestrel box up um, out the farm. Have you had anyone in surveying bats, Anthony? Do you know how many bat species? was in once or twice, and I tell you what she did. She put a recorder on a pond down there. She left it there. A static one, yeah, yeah. She left it there, and she was delighted. Anyway, that's all I can say. Yeah. She was delighted. What you got? I came back and just... You have them in your roofly house, don't you? You've you've had them, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She she can hear what anacons came out here one day years ago. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I actually said, yeah, there's loads of bats up in the attic in the house there, you know. So she said, come on, it was coming up to dark. And we went round to the one end of the the house there. And I knew there was a hole up in the... Up in, up in the apex there was a hole in the wall that jackdaws were going in there and she said we'll wait here for a few minutes Jesus dozens of them came out of the house you don't mind I, walked, I, I didn't know <laughs> the clue yeah but out they came this gang of them came out of the house they clouded them clouded them came out yeah it was just <clears throat> like you never knew Never have. No. Never have. So we've got a very scruffy looking corner of this field. Yeah, this it looks different crop. to the rest. This is, this is one of the this is one of the features of the present agricultural environment scheme. It's known as LAS. Yeah. L-A-S. Which means green in Irish. Green yeah. low <laughs> green low input agricultural scheme. We'll, we'll chance it at that. Yeah. Green low input agricultural scheme. Class. The idea behind it is that you um, that you grow a crop 
suited for it's really suited for it's suited for insect and seed eating birds and it's also suited for for birds of prey as well so what you do is you'll, 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 you'll establish your crop and the crop the crop usually is in this case it'll be oats yeah you can see see the tall brown yes, dead vegetation yeah. there'll be oats and it'll be a brassica and the brassica would probably be just interesting now what's that right? I'd say that's rat wow I'd say that's rat I don't know where the borough is. So you got a I'd say it's right. big mound of freshly dug earth. Yeah, big mound of it's freshly dug earth. Yeah, but you see the paw prints in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See yeah. the paw prints big, as well, too. Well, you wonder if the and fox is watching around. that. Yeah. Yeah. The fox being around. It's but not a fox. Get, but you can see, look, there's there's the fox is investigating. Is that the borough there? Nesting, yeah. Yeah, that's more than likely. Yeah, there's the borough. So oats. You've oats and you've a brassica. And the brassica, you can do it in. You can do it two ways. You can sow a two-year crop, which means you sow your crop every second year, or you can do a one-year crop. Um, I tend to go in for the two-year crop. The two-year crop then will be, you'd sow, you come along, you'd sow oats, say in half the crop, and in the other half you'll sow a brassica, and the, bra- uh, the brassica could be something like kale. Yeah. And what the kale will do, it'll grow the first year, and it'll bloom the second year in the spring. Yeah. So, um, so you're providing is, food all year round. Tend to, you're providing food all year round, but I would do is I'd put oats in here and in with the oats and so the oats get them covered and then I put in a one year a one year brassica, say something like a linseed yep. or like a, a rape that would flower the year it was planted and seed that autumn and, and seed that autumn. So the yep. idea is the idea is straight away. In the spring, you're leaving a bare patch of ground yeah. before the seeds come up. And a bare patch of ground is great for birds yeah. because there's food there for them that I won't see or the breed won't see, but that they The soil's see. been exposed. The soil's been yeah. exposed and they have a chance there to start feeding on it straight away. And then as the crop starts to cover the ground, or I suppose there's a waiting, but there's, it might be a waiting period for, um, for flower to come out. But I'm sure there's food available there for birds all the time. Yeah. But when the blossom comes out on the... On the crop, say on the linseed or on the rape that you plant there, that the the first really visible benefit comes in, and that'll be for pollinators. You'll see them all using it there. Mm. And um, uh, they'll set seed then later in the summer. And early on, early on, you'll see your finches in there. They'll be in for they'll be in for the seeds of the brassica, say of the rape or of the of the linseed. And plenty of thistles will come up through it as well. It's, and loads of is a creeping buttercup in that as well. You've creeping, you've creeping buttercup in there as well. Yeah, um, that's all spear thistle. So they'll oh, come yes, in and they'll be on the spear. You'll see the finches in there straight away on the seeds of the spear thistle. You don't. So look, you can do things as well. You can, you can, you can, you can throw in your own particular mix. You can put in something like sunflower. Yeah, which will draw in finches later in there. But I love throwing into it is barrage. Oh yeah, barrage produces lovely blue. Really flower, good for bees. Really isn't good it? for bees. Yeah, so I but I'd often do it. Establish say a hundred plants inside, then there in the in the end, I'd establish a hundred. And would you plants. go in and just chop them Flapped in the ground them, yourself? Chop them in the ground, or get get a whole lot of barrage seeds, throw them out just there, throw them, in. them up. See what that, see that what really, takes. That really works well. That can yeah. work really really well. But the, um, it's when seeds set in the like it, it's known as bird crop. Um, it's when seeds set in the autumn which you really, and winter comes in that you start to notice the benefit then um, you'll start to see your, all your finches will come in there to be feeding and how many seeds. seasons would you get out of it before you have to kind of do it all again you'll, you'll be doing some sowing every year the patch where you put in the brassicas the two year brassicas you'll allow okay. that to establish itself the first year to flower the second year and set seed oh, look and, what are they? And, then the, and then the following spring you'll go again okay you can go again yeah so that crop is and kind of split in half yeah and half. also having that is like the opposite of monoculture it's like a mosaic of, of different feeding different, different things, things at different times of and the year and a very isn't important it? thing that very few people 
involved in that would recognise. If you look at the right hand side of the tree at the end, tall tree at the end, that is some red wing. Red wing. Oh yeah. yeah. They're, they're flying over now. Starling, yeah. Starling just gone by and some starling on top. They're flying across. That hedge down there, that hedge down there is particularly good for uh, reef bunting. Oh yeah? Mm. Oh, sorry. Huh? Big, big, a big thing with a crop like this, and it's not in the scheme, but a big thing with this, leave a patch of bare ground that you don't swallow around, and if you even cut it over the summer, keep it bare. Yeah. If you could do it somehow or another Again, machine, because another mosaic, isn't it? Yeah. A bit of bare ground. So if you miss the patch, it's not... And it's cover for small mammals, and you get things hunting over it, yeah? That's the thing yeah, you come out here and you can, you're in the winter and you know straight away if there's mice and rats here. Well, it? I remember because you see the burrows. Not last winter because I was grounded in London, but the winter before we came, there was loads of rat burrows in it, yeah. wasn't there? And if you have those, you know, you know, birds yeah. And we put pheasant up onto this, and you put one cock over it, and it's not a lot of time, you know. Yeah, yeah. So not having everything grazed is good, isn't it? Yeah. There's, what's that up? Meadow pipit, was it? Yeah. Bouncy flight, yeah. And the white outer tail feathers. White outer tail feathers. Yeah, there's red wing. Kind of cross. But you get, you know, it's great for butterfly lift, but the only thing is too, if you want to observe yourself, if a person wants to observe, if you take the time and the interest to observe, yeah. you see, you know, if you get fine days here, sunny days, you come out here and you'll see lots. Yeah, yeah. Um, part of that pollinator group, <clears throat> that of the lads in it had this, you know, they had they had these crops as well. We had a WhatsApp group, we were all putting up photos of what we were How doing. years were doing. Yeah, how yeah. things were doing. Jesus, you know, it was great. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about with the cattle, Anthony, and worming and things and using doses? Ah, attention because I know some. Oh, just went down in a hole there. The anti, is it some of the antimintics? Yeah, there's like oh, a. Oh, some of them are very good yeah, for. Very persistent. That's yeah. That's that's uh, rape or something, is it? Yeah. There's a, there's a kind of a ladder system of some of them are they don't leave much residue in the dung and don't affect insects so much yeah. and then some of them are really bad for hammering everything like dung beetles and um, well, all the other invertebrates here is, because on here now there was a policy here a while ago dose everything yeah. because on here now is cattle are brought in and they're observed okay. and if they're losing condition if you'll test them will you? they're dosed if yeah. they're not they're left they're fine good yeah fine. yeah that's, you know. But we have, geez, now anyway, the pollinator crowd were out here during the summer. They're out here, one yeah. day. Good, good crowd of us here. And we went around the dung. Yes, we found loads of dung beetles. That's great. <laughs> swimming around in the dung. They yeah, actually yeah, swim yeah. in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you turn the pat over yeah. and you see all the. That's the first, that's the first time I saw Yeah. Have you heard about the NEP estate in West Sussex, the rewilding project yeah, in the I south of England? Yeah, and they're doing, yeah, they're doing studies on, I think I talked to you about it actually yeah, two did. winters That's ago, right, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably about this very topic, but um, they've become obsessed with dung beetles. There's like 30 or something, yeah. 30 or 40 different species. Yeah. But they find now, like 20 years into the project, yeah. a cow pack goes down and within seconds there's three or four species on it. Um, within at an hour there's six to eight species on it right. but they're finding over 20 30 species of dung beetle now on the estate oh, that yes, were, never there were never there before didn't want to because they just guys, stopped it, you missed the snipe came up oh did we over the yeah. Edge, yeah. that's good it's gas here to consider snipe snipe will go into an area like that red patch 
they'll, be, they'll be there at dark. Yeah. And they're gone before dawn. But I'm going to cover like this to, in the day. Where are they going? <laughs> they're going to place like this. For where are the widgeon going to, Tom? Where are they going? What's going to? I'd say that, you know, I bet you don't that they're going down to Lake Stuck. They're onto the reservoir. Well, I bet you they are. Dad. We saw them on the reservoir near you, didn't you? Oh, there's rat burrows, yeah. He's gone in there. Yeah. I've watched it here for hours. Mm. For a white owl. No joy. No. <laughs> no joy. But these crops, too, you know, they, they kind of go very in and out. You know, they're all popular one week with birds. Um, next to next to the top here. You know, you have to keep an eye on them you have to watch them. Yeah. The big thing is that you can have a hedge on the edge of it, and these are hedges. Don't I was going to say, your your field margins as well for yeah. barn owls, yeah. leaving some, a few metres out yeah. from the hedge. Yeah. Leave the hedge. But, that, you know, if you want to get results from this crop, leave the hedge there. It's where you'll see the starlings. Goldfinch flying over, is it? There's red wing. There, red wing, there's, yeah. there's red wing over there. That's the red wing, yeah. Every now and again, it's a great uh, field fair days. Yeah. It's not been that cold yet, though, has it? How, how thick the vegetation is down here, by like part to a lot of the rest of the field. Has that any indication of the size? The size, yeah. I know from planet, when you go back there, there's real stiff, putty-like soil. Okay. It's real thick. Down here, it's loose. Loose, much looser soil. But isn't it fantastic cover now for something like this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, the stocky. That's the second year of the basket. You know, if you just grown the first year, the second year, when it blossoms, it suddenly mushrooms into a big strong plant. Yeah. We mass like here in April there was a massive yellow blossom here. Was there, yeah. If you wanted to find insects, this was that's where you got them. Yeah. You'd often see you'd often see birds of prey around here in these those trees, but buzzard. So is Bora the closest place for grey partridge, really? It's got this, no, Bora no, is really the only place yeah, for grey partridge, yeah. you know? Now yeah. we're getting into the, it's, it must be yeah. the looser side. The rat burrows, the yeah. Side. Oh, there's yeah. a load there, yeah. I, you know what I think, too? It has to be great for, for hours. But you know what, I don't know the benefit, too. I, I'm the only one. I, I don't know any, I hear anybody else saying, I think you keep your rats happy out here to stay here. Won't yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leave them out here and let the foxes and the, and the owls and the buzzards deal yeah. with them. Oh, lots of rats in this section. This, this must be, see, that's lovely soil. Look at the soil. Yeah, it's really fine, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. It's not a great day for seeing colours on board. It's a, a little bit grey and miserable. Unlike Ireland in winter. Hmm? A bit grey and miserable, unlike Ireland in winter usually, huh? (laughs) What's this clearer area, do you know? Just some patch of something that dominated or? I'll tell you what there was here. There was a plant here, Woundworth. I was going to say, is it Woundworth? I see the yeah. seed head on it with the purple, here. lovely yeah, maroon purple, it isn't it? late in the air. Yeah, Fantastic that's it. Fantastic soil for insects. Jeez, they're going mad for it. Yeah, that's nice. 
every now and again, you know, it's just look, every now and again here when you go to establish the crop, you can't do it. There's such a cover of plants, there's such a cover of, say, thistle, nettle, buttercup. You plough it and you can bury it, but back up again and jig so you it. You just chopped it into bits and it all comes up again, do you know right? What you have to do every now and again. I don't like saying it. You have to come out here. I would try. You try and do it on half the crop. Use Roundup. Yeah. I don't like saying it, but you come out here just and to give you, the other stuff a head start. You give the other stuff a head start, but you know what's great? Roundup is definitely losing its potency over the years. Oh yeah. It's not killing them with a. It's not. It's it. It's stunning. It's stunting weeds are holding them back for a while. Yeah. It's given the the crop that you the crop that you plant or so a chance to come on. It's not affecting Wundberg. No. Wundberg is a great root system there. It's not affecting scotch in the lockdown. It's not affecting nettles. Mm. It checks them for three or four months and then they're back up again. Yeah. Now, unlike Anthony, um, you know, who has all his work done for him and he has the sprouts peeled for him and he has the carrots <laughs> trimmed and the whole lot for tomorrow. Right, we'll head back. Anthony, thanks so much for showing us around. It's great. And, uh, I hope people enjoyed the virtual tour of the farm with us for another episode of Sean's Wildlife. Watching our wet patch now. <laughs> <laughs>